Well, good evening. It's good to see each one of you back for the evening service tonight. Good to have some back visiting again with us. Would you stand, please? Let's turn to page number 52. The song the ladies were just playing, The Lily of the Valley. Page number 52. We'll sing all three verses to begin our service together tonight. Sing it out on that first verse. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The Lily of the Valley. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He all my griefs has taken and all my sorrows borne. In temptation he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn. From my heart and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the world forsake me and Satan tempt me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here, while I live by faith and do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With his manna he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory, I'll see his blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Amen. Good start. While I was sitting here thinking, was that was an awesome song, and I could use a cappuccino right about now. Amen. So the jet lag is definitely, uh, it's, it's having its fun, amen. I, t- I fell asleep this afternoon, I got my message done, I fell asleep, and I woke up, and it was daylight outside, and I thought I slept through the Sunday morning services. <laughs> Started panicking, and then it dawned on me, I was here, I'm pretty sure I was here, amen. So hopefully you can help me with that tonight, amen. Uh, it's good to be back, though. Thankful. Uh, man, what a great group tonight. Amen. And uh, what a blessing. And what a blessing this morning was. We had a host of visitors and things like that. And looking forward to tonight and getting back in the kings and the prophets. And so I'm going to ask Brother Gary Clark if you would uh, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight and uh, do just a quick, a few quick announcements. Uh, of course, uh, this coming uh, Wednesday, uh, Brother Eric Watson uh, will be preaching uh, once again in our main uh, service. I will be uh, attending the 
uh, GIBF meeting, which is the Global Independent Baptist uh, Fellowship meeting there at Riverside Baptist Church in St. Joseph, uh, Missouri. Would appreciate if you would pray for me. I'll be preaching uh, Wednesday morning, and so excited uh, about that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, men, if you uh, signed up for the men's uh, the Baptist Men's uh, Recharge, that is this coming Friday and Saturday, and so we will be leaving uh, Friday at noon, meeting here in the church parking lot and heading out, and so if you signed up for a bunk, make sure that you bring all the stuff uh, that you need, and if you signed up for a hotel and things like that, and again, make sure you turned in all your uh, money and stuff like that, and looking forward to a great time uh, in the Lord. Also wanted to mention this, September the 30th. Uh, which is Saturday, a uh, week from Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, be our church-wide uh, outreach, and that'll be at 10.30 in the morning over in the Fellowship Hall. And we do have a lot of visits and things to make, and certainly uh, outreach and stuff like that as we prepare for our fall revival. And so it'd be really wonderful if our folks would be in their place, amen, and be a help uh, in that. And then, of course, October the 8th through the 13th, is going to be our fall revival with Brother Dean Herring. Brother Dean Herring is a dear friend. The only thing I have against Brother Dean Herring is that he is a Georgia Bulldog, and I'm a Florida Gator, and so we get along except for one week out of the year, amen. Uh, but he is a dear, dear friend. Uh, long, he pastored a long time, and I, I believe it was in Savannah, Georgia, and then God uh, called him to resign his church and plant a church up in Idaho, and so he planted the South Valley, Lord used him to plant the South Valley Baptist uh, Church there, and uh, just a dear friend and a good brother, and I know he will be a blessing uh, to us, and so he's going to be here with us, and so that Sunday, it'll just be our regular uh, Sunday morning service times, uh, we won't have our Bible study in the evening times at 6 o'clock, we'll just have our evening service, and then uh, Monday through Friday, it'll be 7 o'clock each night, and so commit fast, uh, this week starts our fast. We had Chinese food today, and I didn't even eat my fortune cookie, amen. I, I'm telling you, it, was, it is a stale cookie. It's not sweet, but it had cookie with it, so I was like, I'm out, all right. So, uh, But fast and, and pray, and praying for the revival. If you ate your fortune cookie, that's all right. I don't uh, Calm down, all right. But uh, fast and pray for the revival, and uh, looking forward to what God uh, has for us. And I know that we uh, also were able to schedule the Assurance Trio from Heartland Baptist Bible College and so they're going to be here with us that Sunday morning, and so I know that'll be a blessing uh, as well. Did want to mention this, of course, this week is we are fasting from sweets, and so again, want to encourage you to do that. Uh, next uh, week will be meals, or uh, however you want to do it, if you want to skip a meal each day, or maybe you want to take a couple of days and maybe just fast all day or something like that, however the Lord uh, leads you. And again, I'll just, you know, kind of like we do every year, I know I realize people have different health issues and things like that, and so don't put yourself in the hospital over this thing, all right? But uh, if you can, uh, participate in it and fast from that. And then, of course, October the 1st through the 7th, uh, as always, right before the meeting, it's good to just turn off the TV and the entertainment and all of that stuff, amen, uh, so that we can be listening for the voice of the Lord to speak to us, all right? Well, there, come on ahead tonight. I'll let you remain seated for the song, but let's turn to page 112. Page 112, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Let's sing all three verses together tonight. There have been names that I have loved to hear, but never has there been a name so dear to this heart of mine as the name divine, that precious, precious name of Jesus. 
Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name, and that's the reason why I love him so. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. There is no name in earth or heaven above that we should give such honor and such love. As the blessed name, let us all acclaim that wondrous, precious name of Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name and that's the reason why I love him so oh Jesus is the sweetest name I know and someday I shall meet him face to face to thank and praise him for his wondrous grace which he gave to me when he made me free the blessed Son of God called Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name, and that's the reason why I love him so. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Aren't you thankful for the name of Jesus tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord for him and all he's done for us. Now we get a chance to give back to him. But as for the Micah Quinlan, would you pray for our offerings tonight, please? Amen. stand and turn to page 167. Jesus is the sweetest name I know because of what he did for us. Amen. Calvary covers it all. Page 167. Let's sing all four verses for our last song together tonight. Far dearer than all that the world can impart was the message that came to my that Jesus alone for my sin did atone and Calvary covers it all Calvary covers it all 
say amen. We need to go back on that last verse again, all right? Because I'm just telling you, we need to be a little more excited about the last verse. Look at the words. It says, how blessed the thought, okay, the author's wanting you to think about what he's about to say, that my soul by him bought. If you're saved, he bought you with a price. He paid a great price. Now, your soul, if you know Christ as your Savior, is going to be his in the glory on high. One of these days, if you know him as your Savior, you're going to heaven. And we should be happy about that tonight. We need to smile while we're singing this, singing out for the Lord tonight, for all he's done for us. And then we're going to go a cappella in the chorus and just let the people of God sing tonight. Amen. Let's sing it out together. Last verse, page 167. Sing it out on the last. How blessed the thought that... 
that my soul by him bought shall be his in the glory on high where with gladness and song I'll be one of the throng and Calvary covers it all Calvary covers it all my past with its sin and stain my guilt and despair Jesus took on him there and Calvary covers it all if you're thankful for Calvary, say amen tonight. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wonderful singing together tonight. Just before the message, Brother Gary Waters. tonight. One day near the city of Jerusalem, a father sadly looked into the eyes of his children. He said, the time for sacrifice is come. Our wrongs must be, excuse me, our sins must be atoned. The younger one said, I don't understand why my sins can't be forgiven without the killing of my lamb. The father took the young child by the hand and said, there'll come a day when the lion out of Judah will become the Lamb of God and take our sins away. There'll come a day. No more sacrifice is needed. Perfect grace has been completed. Oh, my child, there'll come a day. One day in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He knew the plan of God would have to be. And in just a few short hours, he would die on Calvary. His humanity cried, Lord, any other way. His divinity rose up and said, This price I'll have to pay. Just before the Father turned away, He said, There'll come a day. Your defeat will turn to victory, For the cross that you carry Bears the weight of all the world. There'll come a day When the blood stains in your hand 
declares the hope of every man, oh my child, there'll come a day. Every day we live among sin's awful curse. The evidence of darkness seems to only get much worse. We cry to God in anger, Lord, how long we allow this evil world to just go on and on. But all of us who made this God our choice can listen in our spirits and we can hear his voice. He calls the downcast souls to rise, rejoice, and says, there'll come a day that reveals the King of glory and the mighty name of Jesus will forever be proclaimed. There'll come a day no more night, no sin, no sorrow, no more longing for tomorrow, oh my child, there'll come a day. No more night, no sin, no sorrow, no more longing for tomorrow, oh my child, there'll come a day. blessing. Boy, I'm sure looking forward to that day, man. What a good stuff. I uh, was telling Brother David Griffin, we were talking about some things, and I'd mentioned, I'd failed to mention this this morning. Uh, had it in my, had it in my notes, but you know how it is. You get walking around down here and you get away from your notes. Uh, but we were do, going through the tour uh, of the uh, St. Peter's Basilica there in Rome where uh, Peter was crucified upside down and believed that his uh, sepulcher is there, his body where he was uh, buried. And, uh, of course, it's a, now a huge just monument and building and everything. It's where the, the Pope uh, comes and speaks and, and all this other nonsense and false religion and all of that stuff. And, and uh, I, can rem- I remember we walked into the building, the actual building in and of itself and the decor and all of that stuff and just... Just uh, the artist, the artistry. There was uh, sculpture by Michelangelo and all this stuff, and ju- it was just incredible and amazing. And then the the tour guide lady pointed to this door, and it was a sealed door. And I guess so, she kind of gave the deal behind it, but it's something along the lines of that: the every twenty five years, there's a or fifty years, there's like a jubilee and. And so the Pope opens the door and people come and make the pilgrimage and they touch the door and they believe that if they touch the door, it'll cleanse them of their sins. And I, all I, I looked at Natalie and went, mercy. And, and so I started humming and the next thing you know, I'm singing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now I didn't sing it loud because I didn't want to go to jail. But anyways, I just, mercy. I sung it well not loud enough where a few more people around me could hear me. So, but I didn't want to start a religious war right there, amen. But just amazing. I'm, I'm glad tonight to know the Bible and to know the truth of God's Word and that Christ and Christ alone can save me. 
And so I said all that to say this, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, well, that's the only way you can be saved is through Him and His blood, and you need to be saved. But once you get saved, you've got a relationship with God, and you can pray, and you can praise God. And so take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 2, and don't stand uh, just yet. Of course, it's been a few weeks, actually it's been almost a month since we've been uh, in the kings and the in the prophets of, of Israel. And, and so we know this tonight, that this takes place immediately following not only the book of Judges, but also the times of the Judges. If you know anything about the, the kings and the prophets, it, it starts with, of course, uh, the Samuel. Samuel is the last judge and the first uh, prophet. And, and I like this, I like the contrast uh, between him and, and John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he's like John the Baptist in the sense that he ushers in a transition between the two. John the Baptist ushered us in from the Old Testament into the New Testament and introduced Jesus Christ. But Samuel would come on the scene and transition Israel from the times of the judges into the prophets and the kings and would anoint both Saul and David as the king of Israel. But here's the thing tonight. Though Samuel is the last judge and the first prophet, I would say this to you tonight, that the kings and the prophets doesn't actually start with Samuel so much as it does with Hannah, his mother. And like Timothy's mother and grandmother in the New Testament, we see the benefit of the unfeigned faith of Hannah. It would be Hannah that would pray for God to give her a son, and if so, she would commit him unto the Lord. And that's how you and I get Samuel the prophet. And so following the birth of Samuel, Hannah does two things, and I mentioned this in the last message. She does two things that we fail to do as God's people today. One, when she asks God for a son... She made a commitment and said, if you'll give him to me, or you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And guess what Hannah does? She keeps her commitment unto the Lord. And we need to really learn to do that. I know I do in my life, and I just want to challenge you on that tonight. But the other thing that she does, and that's what you and I are going to look at tonight, is this, is that she stops and she prays, and she praises the Lord for answering her prayer and giving her victory over her adversary, Penina. Thankfulness. It's not just one holiday out of the year. It really ought to be the lifestyle of the child of God, having a thankful heart. So let's all stand tonight in honor of God's Word. You're there in 1 Samuel chapter number 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse <laughs> number 1. And the Bible says this, And Hannah prayed, and I like, let me just end it with this. Look back at verse number 27 of chapter number 1. For this child I prayed, the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he, talking about Samuel, worshiped the Lord there. And Hannah prayed. And I don't, listen, I don't know if, if it's this scene, this scene of prayer takes place. Uh, at, there at, at the tabernacle where, where she is dropping off Samuel, or maybe it's later on in her home. I, I don't, it, the, the Bible doesn't give us the, the timeline, so to speak. I, I think either one would be appropriate. But if you'll notice, it says in chapter 2 of verse 1, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. 
My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. And notice all the capital letters there, Jehovah God. For there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they are and they that stumbled and girded with uh, they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill and set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and He has set the world upon them. You know what she's saying? She's saying this. Listen, it all belongs to God and He can do whatever He wants to with it. Notice in verse number 9, He will keep the feet of His saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, and by strength, uh, and by, by, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall He thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and He shall give strength unto His King, and exalt the horn of His anointed. And Elkanah went to Ramah, to his house. And the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli, the priest. So this is what I would say to you tonight, where chapter 1 begins with Hannah praying for a need, chapter 2 begins with Hannah praying once again. But this time it's not for a need, but rather to rejoice in the God who met her need. The fact that God made the effort to record this in His Word shows us tonight that He desires that His people would stop and take some time not only to pray, but to praise Him in prayer. As one commentator said, if the only time we are praying is when we ask God for something, then we're not praying enough. May we be challenged tonight by Hannah's example to make it a point to praise the Lord in our lives and in prayer far more than what we already do if we do. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated tonight. This is not a cappuccino. You are... I think probably most of you realize this tonight, but when you are in when you're in ministry and you take a trip like like we just did for two and a half weeks to go completely out of the country and and in, and in many times we were completely out you know at sea and and without a phone signal and things like that listen there there are so many variables that could go wrong um bad travel experiences, bad weather um you know, things going wrong at church, people sick, death, and th- those are, listen, those are just to name a few. 
And I want to say to you tonight this, it was really amazing uh, to watch how the Lord just blessed and answered prayer, whether it was, whether it was Natalie and I praying about things or, or, or many of you praying, we knew we're praying, and uh, just, just amazing. Our flights uh, to North Carolina, uh, and then uh, we had a layover, a little layover, got some lunch, and then we flew all the way from North Carolina all the way to Rome. I, I, listen, I, I can testify tonight, it couldn't have been smoother. On our, on our way uh, there, uh, Natalie kept checking uh, the weather, and it was saying this, it was saying rain uh, every day, and, and when we got there, it rained a little that Tuesday when we landed there, it rained a little uh, Tuesday, and by Wednesday, uh, the sun began to shine, it got a little cloudy at one time, but then after that, it went right back to being sunny, and I, listen, it was beautiful our entire trip. Just, it was just amazing, and then I, I, I remember being in Rome, I got a text from Brother Michael Moore, Miss Carolyn was in the hospital, then uh, moved to ICU. We began to pray, and, and I know uh, some of the men began to pray, and she started improving, ended up getting uh, to go home, and just really thankful for those that uh, visited with her on our behalf. And then there was the cruise. And traveling by train. You want to, listen, I said this this morning, if you ever want to test your marriage, Go visit another country where you've never been and try to use public transportation. Amen. We did it all and didn't have to have counseling. We came close. Amen. But I listen. You then. Then uh, I can uh, listen. We travel. We came home and I. The, the only I think maybe the only bad spot was our flight uh, out of Philadelphia and coming home got delayed and we ended up making it safely. I I remember getting home and the next day watching on the news or I read the news where. <clears throat> where a flight uh, had left and went uh, towards Rome and had to divert and come right back to the airport due, some, due to some uh, mechanical problems. And I immediately thought to myself, you know, that could have been us. That could have been us. And I remember we made it back home about 4.30 in the morning that thir- uh, this past Thursday. I slept till uh, 10.30 in the morning. And in my devotions that morning, I read my Bible and I went to prayer and, and I don't even think I had one prayer request that whole time I was praying. You know what I did? I just, I just spent some time thanking the Lord. I was just thinking about the traveling over there and God's watch care over us and just even some of the simplest things like changing the weather so that we could enjoy our time there and, and just the things that God did. And you listen, you can sit back tonight and you can go, well, listen, all that's just coincidence and all that. No, I'm telling you tonight, I've got a God that loves us and cares for us and He answers prayer and does things for us. And I'm just, listen, I'm, I'm telling you tonight, I'm, I'm just so thankful. I, I spent some time there and just, just some specific things where we saw God move and God answer and His hand of grace and His watch care over us for this entire trip. And I want you to understand something tonight. I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything like that because I know this, I need to grow in my thankfulness and, and certainly uh, my expressions un, unto the Lord. I, I realize that. But I am saying to you tonight that there needs to be some of those moments in our lives like Hannah in our text. Where, where, where we stop in the middle of what we're doing and we go to the Lord in prayer. And we don't go necessarily because we have a need or we have a burden or anything like that. But rather we just want to take some time to thank Him for who He is and what He's done in our lives. Let me warn you tonight of having a McDonald's version of Christianity. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? We're, we're one, we're so busy that we don't take the time. 
to thank the Lord, much less to pray at all as a child of God. But two is this, is that we develop this attitude where we're answering prayer. Well, that's just what God's supposed to do. We're to put in our order and then drive around and get it on time in the way we gave it and the way we expect it. And when we don't, we sit around and gripe and complain and we're mad and bitter towards God. We need to be careful of those things. We act like this sometimes. Listen, I'm not trying to chide us tonight, but just preaching to myself, I think this. We act like sometimes He needs us when really we're the ones that need Him. The story of the ten lepers, I couldn't help but to think of that tonight. It shows us, it shows us that an unthankful attitude is just something that comes natural to man and to his flesh. Jesus would heal all ten lepers. Can you imagine the life change that just took place in the twinkling of an eye as God would speak and His healing power would come on those lepers and in and, and the transformation that would take place. And I want you to listen to this. Only one of them came back and praise God and thank God for His healing power on their life. I'm just telling you, the nine of them didn't come back. That just shows us, that shows us, friend, that it's natural in the tendency of man to be an unthankful, prideful individual no matter what God does in our lives. So it's the ten lepers that shows us that it's natural, but listen to this, but it's Romans chapter 1. This shows us the grave consequences of unthankfulness. I want you to take your Bible there just quickly and hold your place in in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And and I'm only going to read one verse. I'm not going to read, you know, there's quite an extensive passage here. I think probably most Bible students tonight, those of us that read the Word of God, we've been through the services and Romans and Sunday mornings. Most of us know that Romans chapter 1 is really what I would say, it's, the, it's a downward spiral of man. Paul shows us what happens when mankind rejects God as creator and savior. Listen, man is not evolving. Man is devolving. And he's going downward in this downward spiral of immorality and, and all the way to a reprobate mind. But I want you to look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. Because this is really where it starts. It says this. Here's what he says. He says, because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were... And what's that word right there? They weren't weren't thankful. But became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. I wrote this down in my notes, and you can take it for what you will tonight. But I want to say to you, unthankfulness leads to bitterness, and bitterness leads to pride and rebellion and idolatry. And pretty soon you have future generations spiraling downward in great wickedness. It's really the pattern of Romans chapter 1. But with Hannah and Samuel, we find the complete opposite. A thankful heart produces joy, and joy leads to Love and commitment to the Lord, even to the point of leaving your son at the tabernacle to serve the Lord. And the generation that follows will serve the Lord in a mighty way. And the point I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that I would much rather follow the pattern of Hannah than I would Romans chapter 1. And if that be the case tonight, then I think that we need to learn some things about what Hannah does here as she prays and begins to praise uh, the Lord tonight. So this, I titled it Hannah's 
prayer of praise, and, and it's really just some good stuff tonight. Look at verses 1 and 2 of our text. The Bible says this, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. And really, I think right here in these introductory verses, you begin to see the purpose of her prayer right here is notice it, it, she said she she said it, she begins to rejoice in her God. Look at look at what she says. It says and Hannah prayed and said and notice what she says here. She says my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. And the word rejoiceth right here it literally means this to jump for joy. It's the idea of of feeling like her heart was about to leap out of her chest. You know, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You get so excited about something like lasagna. I'm just kidding, all right, kind of. Anyways, y'all got to help me tonight, man. Y'all, are, y'all were here this morning. Did y'all take a nap too and y'all still ain't woke up? Amen. Somebody's going to jump up like, oh, I thought I slept through the morning service. Amen. I, it's the idea of her heart feeling like it's going to jump out of her chest. And I, lo- I love that. I I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not, just the, the excitement. And, and notice the phrase there, it says, my heart rejoiceth. But listen, it's, it's, it's this, it's rejoice in the Lord. And this has to do with her passion and her affection towards God. And it moves her to begin to pray and to thank the Lord. Let me, let me help you with something tonight. If all you can ever do is rejoice and get excited about temporal things and not the things of God, you've got some things out of line. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, if all you can ever do is rejoice and be passionate about temporal things, you are missing the Christian life. You're missing it, man. I'm telling you. Listen, God is so very good. And, and there ought to be those moments where, where we have prayed and trusted in God. And God is blessed and moved in our lives so much so that, man, it just feels like our heart's about to jump out of our chest, we're so excited in what God has been doing and, and done in, in our lives. And that's, that's, where Hannah, that's where Hannah was at. And listen, I'm just saying to you, you're, you I, don't think we, I don't think we consider the, the we, I don't think we consider fully the goodness of God in our lives at, at times. And Hannah is doing that. And notice in verse number one, it says this, so her heart rejoices in the Lord. And, and, and then she begins to say, what she's rejoicing about, she's rejoicing about answered prayer. She says, mine horn is exalted uh, in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged o- over mine enemies. And so this, this is talking about, this is an expression of praising the Lord for answering her prayer and giving her, her a son, Penina, the other wife of Elkanah, was her adversary. And she mocked Hannah for being barren. And Hannah was burdened about this. And she was under reproach and scorning, but hey, but she prayed and God answered her prayer. God delivered her and God moved in her life. And, and this is the other thing about this. This is a woman that's just left her child at the tabernacle. And she's rejoicing. Why? Because, listen, the greatest thing you could ever hope for as a parent is to see your children serve the Lord. <laughs> It's like John said, I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in truth. And I'm telling you, Hannah's experiencing that. And her heart's about to leap out of her chest in all of this. Hannah's deliverance and motherhood and Samuel serving the Lord. It's all because she prayed. And more importantly, God answered. But at the same time, maybe this is also the reason why maybe we become such an unthankful and unhappy and unpleasant people. 
Because we don't pray. And we don't trust God. We don't. This is the thing that convicted me. We don't wait on God to answer. And instead, we try to manipulate it and do it in our own power instead of just stepping back and letting God move. Hannah shows us, listen to this, Hannah shows us it's worth waiting on God. <laughs> it's worth waiting on God. Listen, not only can He answer, but when He does, He does all things well, my friend. He does, listen, he does, listen and because of that, we ought to take time to thank Him. Look down at, look down at the end of verse number 1. It says this, because I rejoice in thy salvation. See, not only, and I, listen, I... I realize that this is the last part of the verse. It's in the context of being delivered from her adversary, Penina. But, but you understand, all of this is a picture of, of being delivered from our adversary, Satan. And so it rightly uses this word uh, uh, salvation here. And, and I listen, and I'm, I think we ought to learn to do that as God's people, to rejoice in our salvation. I, listen, I don't, I don't encourage people to look back at the past and the sin and Wrestle with guilt. Uh, listen, if you've been saved, let that stuff go. But I would encourage you to look back and be thankful for salvation. And maybe consider where you've been had you not been saved. We, uh, <coughs> we, uh, I got to get some more cappuccino. Hang on. We got towards the end there and we took a, uh, we took an a excursion with a, a tour group through what's called Cinque Terre, and it's a bunch of, it's like five villages that are kind of in the mountains right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea there in, in Italy, and it's just beautiful. The houses are all these different colors. They actually tell them you can't change the color of your house. You have to keep it that way. It's now a distinction and all that stuff, and I'm like, wow, well, that's a bummer. So I'm glad I live in America. If I want to paint her green, I can paint her green, amen. It's... <laughs> Then again, green over there would look pretty good. I don't know. Anyways, we went with this tour group. And, and the second village that we went into, they had a lunch uh, planned for us. And we could eat the lunch with the group or we could do our own thing. It didn't really matter. So we chose to do it with our group. And, and so they had everything set up. And so they sat us at a table. And they sat us at this table with this young couple. And uh, they were from America, too, and we started talking, and, you, we, we, you know, we're from Kansas City area, and they said, well, we're from Tampa, Florida, and I went, that's awesome. They said, you guys are Ta- uh, Kansas City, you guys Chiefs fans? And I said, yeah, I said, we, we like the Chiefs. I said, but I'm a diehard Gator fan, Florida Gator fan. And he looked at me, and he goes, oh, I knew we were going to be best friends. He's <laughs> come to find out they had both graduated the University of Florida and played in the band together. And I was like, that's awesome. What's your number, man? We got to... This is awesome. We started talking and come to find out, you know, we were there celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. They were there on their honeymoon. He goes, he goes, you got any advice? And I said, how much time you got? (laughs) We started talking and he said, how did you end up in Kansas City from Florida? And I said, well, that's a story. Gave him my testimony. I got saved. And he said, how did you end up in ministry? You know, and I said, well, God had called me to preach and all that stuff. And so we were able to kind of go through some of these things and we sat down and and he'd asked us about marriage and stuff like that. And, and, and Natalie spoke up and she said this. She said, you know, if you'll just keep the Lord first, everything else will fall into place. Amen. That's true, isn't it? But you know, I got to thinking about, man, I, you know, there's been often times where I've looked back and thought, mercy, where I'd be without the Lord Jesus in my life. 
or I not been with, had had I not gotten saved. I'm just telling you tonight. Listen, we ought to step back and be thankful. You're saved tonight. We ought to be stepping back and rejoicing that we got to hear the gospel. I got listen. I get to live in a country where the gospel is freely preached. I didn't grow up in Italy where it's false religion and vain. Praise God. I'm just saying, listen, I'm not trying to be ugly or anything like that. I'm just saying to you, we ought to take the time to rejoice in those things. Look at number, verse number 2. It says, There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. And here Hannah begins to rejoice in just who God is. And we don't, listen, you don't necessarily need a reason tonight to be thankful and praise God. <clears throat> we can just do it for who He is, but it's because of who He is that why He does what He does, isn't it? And Hannah understood that. And it begins to rejoice that in His holiness and that, that He's above everything else and there's none beside Thee, neither is there any rock. That there's no one else that we can trust and depend and bank on like our God. And Hannah's rejoicing in those things. And I'm saying to you, we need to do the same as well. His grace, His, his faithfulness, His mercy, His goodness, His long-suffering, the list could go on and on and on tonight. So this shows us tonight... As Hannah begins to pray, this is why I'm praying. I'm rejoicing in my God and what He's done in my life. But you know, every good prayer has a little bit of preaching in it too. <clears throat> we had a lady in our church in, in Cassville when I was pastoring there, Bible Baptist Church, and her grandson was coming down the road at pretty high speed late at night. I don't know if he was on drugs or alcohol was involved. I can't remember all this. But anyways, the, turn, the, uh, the road curved and he never caught the curve and he went straight right into a giant oak tree and just was killed on impact. So they had the funeral and this was the grandmother that was in our church. Well, her daughter decided she wanted this other uh, preacher to do the funeral that she knew there that she worked with in a, in a nursing home there in town. And so he did the funeral. The guy never preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they asked if anybody would like to say anything, and the gra grandma got up there and straightened them all out. Amen. She saved the funeral, really. She got up there and gave the gospel and told the family and they needed to get right. Grandmas ought to be able to do that. Amen. But she asked me, she said, Preacher, would you mind feeding the family and, 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 and maybe doing something like that or the church or something? And I said, Sure, we can do that. And so we got to, things together. They went and done the graveside and then came back and we had the lunch uh, there and the family came up and asked me if I'd pray over the meal and I said, yeah, I'll pray. And I preached. And I gave the gospel. And I talked about repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing but the blood. I'm telling you, man, it was about a 10-minute prayer. People were going, I can't believe, why did we ask this guy? We're never going to eat, you know, and chicken's going to go bad. No, it's fried, it'll be all right, it's better. What I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that Hannah is praying here. Well, she does a little preaching too. Look at what she says there in verse number 3. It says, Talk no more exceedingly exceeding proud. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased. 
So that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is wax feeble. You know what? She's Listen, you can go all the way down here, and we'll kind of cover some of these verses. I don't want to go too far here. But really, this is the basis of her message. Listen to this. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And listen, you understand that's a biblical truth in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In Proverbs 3.34 it says, Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. And in James 4 and verse 6, he basically quotes that when he says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You understand this principle is all through scriptures and Hannah begins to relay that. She begins to talk about the wisdom of God in verse number 3. says, Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by Him, by Him actions are weighed. You understand? God, God is a God of knowledge. He knows, he knows all things and this includes those that exalt themselves in pride. I was thinking about Belshazzar and the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar's son that made a great feast and brought out all the vessels out of the house of God there in, in, uh, uh, there in uh, Babylon and, and began to drink wine from them and to praise his false God and in his arrogance and his pride. And all of a sudden the judgment of God begins to engage itself and a hand, a giant hand begins to appear and write on the wall, meany, meany, tickle you farsin. And I love the way it says that his knees begin to knock. And he called Daniel in and needed a translation. And Daniel said this, God hath numbered the kingdom and finished it. Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. The kingdom is divided and given to the Mede and Persians. And that night it was so. And let me tell you what Hannah's saying. When you get the attitude of Penina or Belshazzar of arrogance and pride... God has a way of bringing you low and humbling you. Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs eleven two, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. In Proverbs 29, 23, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And look at verse number 4, it says, The bows of mighty men are broken, and they that stumble are girded with strength and strength. And so, and then notice this in verse number five. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread. And they that were hungry ceased. They listen, you, you understand those that are hungry, they come to God with their needs, they'll find their needs uh, being met far beyond what they asked for from God. And in fact, she begins to say this, she says this, so that the barren hath borne seven. And she that hath many children is waxed feeble. You understand this? Hannah asked for one child. And she had more. Look at verse number 18 of chapter number 2. Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer a yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went into their own house. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the children, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And I love verse number 8. Skip down to verse number 8. It says this, He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill 
to set them among princes <laughs> and to make them and to make them inherit the throne of glory. And again, notice this, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and He has set the world upon them. The pride are made low and those that trust in Him are protected. He keepeth the feet of His saints as mentioned there in verse number 9. Listen, He is the sovereign and supreme God. He has the right to do whatever He wants to do with His creation. And I'm telling you tonight, when you exalt yourself against God, you watch this. God will engage Himself and you'll be brought low. But when you humble yourself before God, He gives grace unto the humble and He exalts you for His honor and His glory. That's exactly what He did with Hannah and Penina. And Hannah's praising God and acknowledging all of this and and rejoicing in God. And look at verse number 10. Listen, it just keeps getting gooder, doesn't it? It's better, I know, but gooder just sounds gooder, doesn't it? Look at verse number 10. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. You aren't recognizing this. I'd say this. That's prophecy. She's talking about Jesus Christ. Just is pretty interesting here. Just hold your place there again and go with me to Luke chapter number 1. You know, Mary was a godly woman. She's not to be worshipped. She's not a mediator. But I don't think that should take away from the fact that she was a godly woman that God would use to bring in the Savior into the world. And look at what she says in, in verse number 46 of Luke chapter 1. Now, I want you to just keep in mind what we just read about Hannah. Look at what she says. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. and My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud of, in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty with their seat from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich hath he sent away empty. Is anybody getting this? He hath helped his servant, he hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And as he spake to our fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever. You understand, there's a great deal of similarity, isn't there? Between what Mary has prayed here in Luke chapter one and, and what Hannah is praying in her prayer. And you understand, Jesus Christ overcame our adversary. And just as God gave victory over Hannah's adversary, Penina, God hath given us victory over our adversary, the devil. In 1 John 3, 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. The devil seeks to keep people lost. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's a liar and a father of lies, the deceiver, the afflictor. But praise God, we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at, the, look at verse number 10 again of our text. It says, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces out of heaven. Shall He thunder upon them? The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and He shall give, he shall give strength unto, the, his, unto His King, and exalt, his, and exalt the horn of His anointed. Listen, 
He is the judge and the king. He's the deliverer. of our, He overcame our adversary. And he is the judge and the king. Even as we saw this morning, listen, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. I would say to you tonight this. There's, there's a tremendous amount here of this just this small little moment of prayer in Hannah's life that you and I could just dive into and just continue to dive deep into tonight. But I, I think that the main idea here is this, is that Hannah prayed and asked God to help her, and she waited on God, and God answered. And here we find Hannah stopping once again, getting on her face before God and just rejoicing and praising Him for what He done. And I'm saying to you tonight that those moments like Hannah are coming far too fewer in our days. And we as God's people have so much to be grateful for. And there ought to be far more moments like this. When's the last time you just got on your face and said, Lord, I I don't have anything. There's some needs, there's some things, you already know them. I just want to take some time this afternoon or tonight or wherever. I just really want to thank you. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for answered prayer in my life. You know what? Thank you for who you are. You've been so good to me. What about you, Dad? Let's all stand.